Hey guys, welcome back to another Weird Wednesday. I'm Ashers and this is... Pato. <laughs> We've had some terrible uh, issues this evening. I don't I don't know what's going on. Um, Pat, what did you do? Why did you break things? I don't know. Uh, we don't have a paranormal subject matter this week, so... I know. I don't, I don't think we can blame spirits. It's, it's uh, bullshit, right? I mean, I'm, I'm kind of <laughs> mad about it. <laughs> I, think, I think it's just fucking substandard uh, infrastructure. You know, <laughs> it's just my shitty laptop. If you guys give me more money, I can I can buy a better laptop. So, that's... well, then you need to you need to get a a GoFundMe going or a, a fucking something. I, I am. I'm going to get something. I I just you know what? That's just the topic for another day. I'm just gonna right. <laughs> it's not, it's not, <laughs> you know whatever. One of these days, I'll I'll upgrade my shit. But um, I spent all my money on a microphone so that I'm not even using right now. So. I, <laughs> I'm just a mess. <laughs> baby steps, baby steps. But anyway, so yeah, we've already kind of covered. I heard Pat. Pat, I heard that you um you did nothing this weekend. <laughs> yeah, I was I was on strike. Uh, no, I didn't do shit. What did, what did I do? Oh, I watched Nobody. That was a pretty good movie. Um, you said Nobody. You watched Nobody. Yeah, it's by the writer of John Wick, and it's with Bob Odenkirk, and it's one of those like. Um, kind of like Death Wish type movies, and John, I guess John Wick too. Okay, um, but it was it was pretty solid. I did that, and then I re-downloaded Tony Hawk and recaptured my early twenties by playing a whole bunch of Tony Hawk. Ooh, so that was nice. my that was my weekend. <laughs> <laughs> very exciting, riveting stuff. Let me tell it you, that was did fun. not split the atom or dig ditches. It was it was pretty cool. <laughs> I didn't do much. I mean, I took kids swimming, but I mean, just regular people stuff. It's just been my life lately. Regular people stuff. I don't know what's going on there, but well, know. you just got the. Do you want to talk about the shot you just got? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so yesterday, I got, I got, the, I got the COVID shot. I got my first one. Yeah. How are you feeling? Well, well, um, not great. You know, I've been like back and forth between okay and not okay. I'm having like weird moments of like feeling just kind of generally out of it. And like, I kind of feel like that a lot anyway, because like I'm a sickly person. So it's like, I don't know how much of it is the COVID shot. I don't know how much of it is just my regular. I don't know. Um, my arm hurts, but I'm not, I wasn't really worried about this dose. I'm, I'm kind of more worried about the, uh, the second dose and you know, the, the whole reason why I got it, because I've been, I've been waiting to get it. First of all, I would have gotten it anyway. Um, I was just, I was waiting on my doctor to give me approval to get it because I'm a special case. And but the only reason why I got it was because our governor is picking five lucky winners every week. He'll do a drawing and five people will win one million dollars a piece. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's so that so as long as you have your first dose, you qualify. So, you know, I'm I, I got my first dose. I'm going to miss out on the drawing this week. So now my chances are even slimmer because now it's four weeks for me instead of five. But but, yeah, he's giving away all this money. That is so crazy to me that you guys are doing that. I I guess I got um, my wife was like one of the first people to get vaccinated, like was in like the first uh, like wave in Illinois. And then I was like in the second. So it's still kind of surprising to me that there's people that have not been vaccinated or um are going through the process now you know and i overheard some people yeah. talking tonight before i you know we recorded this mm -hmm. um 
and they were talking about how they weren't vaccinated and mind you they were like we were we were all together and like they didn't have their masks on like because that whole thing kind of has gone out the window in illinois now 90 percent of the places you go into no one's wearing masks yeah um and it just i i don't know i guess it never i never thought about trying to wait it out or stall it out i i knew that like because of my job that eventually i would i would get approved for it and i would have to go right. through the process yeah and my wife did it before me and my mom did it like right after I did. And that's kind of the most of the people that I talk to, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I haven't really gotten to, I mean, I've had some of my friends are like, really, you did, you, you're getting the shot or you got the shot. And I'm like, it's not really, I mean, that's what I try to explain to people about, about this vaccination is that the MRNA vac- vaccines have been working on since 2009. Like, this isn't a new concept. I know people want to think that it's new. It's just, it's they're like, oh, it's not FDA approved they wouldn't be giving it to people if it wasn't like this is not this is old science and it's really not as scary as people think it is and if they just understood exactly how it worked i I don't think people would be as as fearful but you know it's really hard to explain some of this stuff to people i mean they just don't have um they don't really have the tools you know i was kind of talking about this with a, a close friend the other day and i was explaining well, actually, I was kind of explaining our show and, you know, kind of my, my vision for the show. And what I'd like to do is is explaining, you know, these big concepts to people on a small scale so that they can grasp it. And, you know, we don't really have professionals that are out there doing that in the medical field. Um, so explaining how this stuff works, I mean, yes, then it becomes intimidating because you really don't if you don't understand, then then, yeah, you're going to you're going to be afraid of what you don't know. But. You know, I'm like I said, I'm not worried about it. I, at the, you know, I, I hope that like I don't know, I grow a second vagina or something. I mean, that'd be pretty neat. I'd make a lot of money off of porn <laughs> if I did. <laughs> yeah, I did not turn into a werewolf. I was very disappointed. <laughs> but who knows? We'll see. I mean, you, you know, you still could, I guess. So you gotta gotta get your uh, booster at some point. I, I believe uh, is, is what they're getting at. Is that you know, it's not a one and done deal. So. We'll see. Maybe over time you'll get to be a werewolf and maybe I'll get to have uh, another vagina. This is really inappropriate yeah. to talk about, but that's okay. <laughs> that's Yeah, that's crazy to me too to think that like, because I keep hearing people say that, like, but it's always like random people like yeah. in my family or that I work with like, well, we're probably going to have to do this every year. I'm like, where are you getting that from? Like, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with it, but I mean, if that's... Well, mostly because we don't see it um, going because we know that it's temporary. Um, our bodies don't keep the antibodies. And we know that because people were getting reinfected again with the virus. So even them being sick with, sick with it, some viruses, once you get the first time, like chicken pox, you get chicken pox, you really don't get chicken pox again because so it's not that you're not infected with it. It's it's that your body knows how to react to it. And that's kind of the point of the virus. So if you get chicken pox again, your body already recognizes it. And before symptoms can start, your body knows what to do with it. So what we've learned is that our bodies tend to forget what about about coronavirus. And also, not just that, it's spreading. And I know people don't believe this, but it's science. Um, it's spreading so quickly that it's mutating very fast as well so if you get a different variant of covid your body doesn't recognize that variant and then it's, it starts you start having symptoms again and so um i guess i should this if, if i'm going to be all scientific and shit i should use the correct terminology um uh, but coronavirus if you get the coronavirus um you know in a different variant of it then your body's like oh i don't recognize this 
So the problem comes into play when we don't have to do things like mandatory vaccination. So everybody doesn't have to get vaccinated. So we may not completely eradicate this this variant of coronavirus. So because of that, it's going to continue to spread. It's going to continue to mutate. And, you know, the next time around, it could be a year from now. It could be a seasonal thing. We don't really know yet. It's still so new. We don't know what kind of impact the vaccine is going to have on the community in general. So, um, you know, depending on that, it, there's just a lot of factors at play. So I, I could see it. I could definitely see it, see us having to, to get it again. Um, mm-hmm. I could see it even being seasonally, you know, a, a seasonal vaccine, just like the flu that, that you have to get. Yeah, but, like, you don't have to get the flu vaccine. That's the whole point. And, like, I don't know. I would think that um, I just look at how long it took them to roll out the first vaccination. How are you going to somehow do that where you get everybody in the whole entire world or whatever done on a yearly basis? Mm-hmm. Like, we don't have the infrastructure to do that yet. So is well, that something that they're going to create? And, like, how do you how do you come up with that? How do you enforce it? So, I mean, what? it would basically be the same thing as like what we have right now with the flu. Not everybody, you're, you're right, you don't have to get the flu vaccine and not everybody does. You don't have to get the coronavirus vaccine either. Um, you know, they're just hoping that, you know, if we look at the numbers pre-flu vaccine and we look at flu, the flu, you know, now with vaccine, I mean, obviously we have a lot less deaths and a lot less illness. So um, I, I think that's just kind of what they're hoping on at this point, because we've already proven people aren't going to listen and do the things that they should do based on logic and reasoning. They're going to do it based off of yeah. some random person's YouTube video somewhere or whatever, whatever the fuck they do these <laughs> days. Yeah, some podcast, yeah. I guess. But, you know, that's just that's just kind of that, that thing. But no, I mean, I'm feeling OK. I get I get another one in a couple of weeks and I'll report back then how I'm doing. But in the meantime, how about we talk about some uh, some weird some weird news? You want to hear some Let's weird news? It. Let's do it. <laughs> so Lake City, Minnesota. OK, has a lake there. That's why they call it Lake City. Um, it has Lake Pepin, where it has the Lake Pepin monster, Peppy. Kind of a, a, a cutesy little mascot, right? <laughs> this guy, his name's Larry Nielsen. He he works for some shit or the other. I don't really remember. Um, he's offering a $50,000 reward for evidence of Peppy. Okay. So, you know, and we have these kind of gimmicky things that happen a lot in the cryptozoology world. Um, you know, there's a lot of places that are like, oh, give us the body of Bigfoot. We give us all this money or whatever. Now, when I was reading about it, it sounded like Mr. Larry here was saying that he would take solid video evidence um, or he would take um, like DNA samples um, or maybe like body parts, like a fin or something, or of course, even a whole ass body to do it. Um I don't know. I, I think that some of, I think a lot of the times things like these are like to drive tourism. Now, the thing about this Larry Nielsen guy is that he's, um, he kind of started this interest in Peppy when he first saw it. So he, he claims to have actually seen this monster. Now it's, um, you know, what people say about the Lake Peppa monster is that the interesting thing about it is that the, um, the, you know, the demographic and the general, um, uh, environment is very very similar to Loch Ness which I guess we base all of our <laughs> what we know about you know lake monsters on on Loch Ness and Nessie um, so you know they people are saying that this is probably a pretty promising creature um, I, I don't know any thoughts on the peppy reward 
No, but you know, I think we I think we have to do the Loch Ness episode just so that yeah. I can uh, just so that we can do the deep dive so I can do the research and so we can you know, finally like just go over it cuz it, it is sure. lake monsters, I mean, they're kind of like the OG of like cryptozoology like that and Bigfoot and stuff. And once again, not very sexy to me, but um the, it's there's so much there that I think we're doing a disservice to the audience by not checking on it at this point. You know, I'd agree with that. We 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 did a, you know, back when when Ivy was on the show, we did one about Bigfoot. So I mean, I think I think you're right. I think kind of doing the OGs is you know it, it it'll it comes. So that'll be definitely coming up in the future. I agree with that. And then maybe maybe by that time we'll have a proof of Peppy. I don't know. So <laughs> Let's see. Um, I posted something today on my Twitter. Um. Oh, I'm sorry. Yesterday on my Twitter, whatever day it is. Um, and it was about this, uh, this guy in Australia was flying his drone around. I don't know if, if Pat, you saw this or not, but, um, he oh, was the SOS it. thing, uh, the SOS thing. Okay. Huh? Obviously that's not it. Please continue. I don't think so. He was flying his drone around and, um, his drone just all of a sudden there was a loud bang, something had hit it and it came crashing down and it was broken. But with drones, you know, all of their footage is internal, right? So he was able to, to retrieve the, um, you know, the, the video. And in this video, he's got he, what he says is a craft that absolutely had to have been the size of a vehicle that you can kind of see off in the tree line in the distance. He says that you can see this thing zoom up into the air and then it just kind of disappears. And then moments later, the drone is, is hit and knocked to the ground. So his claim is that it was a UFO. A UFO knocked his drone out of the sky. Well, I mean, technically it's a UFO because it was flying. Sure. He doesn't know what the fuck it was. Well, that's true. Uh, you know, but I mean, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, all right, all right, okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I mean, it's not, it really isn't surprising anymore, right? I mean, we got the whole ass government telling us that these things are out there. You know, we know that they are. I guess I just find it interesting because another thing that he had pointed out is in that area where it would have been, and I don't know how they found this out, but there's like a, some type of body of water exactly where it was resting at. And okay. um, the body of water around it has al has it has algae except for right in the center. So it's like something frequently either rests there or his claim which maybe the guy's nuts maybe he's been drinking i don't know is that something's coming in and out of that water like maybe there's a base in that water how deep is it how big is the body of water well that's a really good question i have no idea i haven't yeah. dived that far into it I, I just saw it today but i mean i will that's a good that's, that's i mean that's a good call out right there that's where you start well let's go into that fucking water and see what's there i mean i'll go when I started kind of following like UFO stories and stuff, there was um, a flap that went on through most of, uh, I'd just say 80s and 90s, like loosely. And it was off the coast of Florida. Uh -huh. um, and I know that like that was like when people first started kind of saying like, you know, maybe these things are coming from the water. Yeah. Uh, which is entirely possible because there's so much shit that like could be hidden underwater that um you know if it, it's just entirely possible so um but i like resting in lakes and stuff like i i, I once again entirely possible but mm -hmm. it goes back to the nessie thing like it's got to be deep there's so many other qualifiers that it needs right, right? it needs to be deep enough and you know why would you build a base in this random lake 
Yeah. Um, but there's plenty mm. of, I mean, there's Groom Lake. There's plenty of like other bodies of water that have high strangeness associated with them. Sure. So where, you know, I'll buy it. And maybe this one is, I mean, it just seems like it, it doesn't seem like it's in a, a particularly popular body of water. I mean, it just seems like it's some ex- obscure body of water in the middle of all these trees. I don't know. I, you know, like I said, I, I posted it to my, to my Twitter. I'll probably reshare it for you guys. If, if you're curious, there's an article and there's the, obviously the drone footage itself you can watch and, and decide. Now it's hard to make out anything. It definitely looks like there is something sitting there amongst the trees. Um, but you know what, I mean, that's, that's up for debate. And then can you actually see it take off? The only reason why you can is if you take it frame by frame and who knows, it could have been a a bug, you know, it could have been anything that just, you know, with, with distance and and whatnot looked strange. Um, but it was definitely knocked out of of the sky. I mean, something hit it, it hit something and, and it's loud and you can hear the impact, but you don't actually see what. But it could have been a bird. You know, we don't yeah. know. So. Oh, definitely. I mean, it could have been like a falcon or a condor or whatever crazy giant-ass fucking Australian birds they have. Right. Stop hunting for my food. You know, who knows? So, I, you know, I don't know. But kind of going a little bit backwards to maybe the peppy thing again, kind of related a little bit. Uh, there is a Bornean owl that was just rediscovered after 125 years. They believe that it was extinct. Um, I, I don't have the name of it. I'm not even going to try to butcher it because, you know, who cares? But, you know, it, it was discovered by an ecologist who has been working on this 10 year study in, 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 uh, this particular area of, you know, Borneo or wherever that is i think it's in malaysia it is um but he's been working on this 10-year study on the evolution of um you know avian you know creatures he's been studying birds and again they've been out there for 10 years and they just now for the first time uh, not only observed this owl but they they did catch a picture of it and now they're saying that you know basically that's enough to reclassify this species of course we don't know yet how many there might be this could be the last one you know them taking the picture of it could have been the last one and um but you know again it was it was it went extinct 125 years ago when people ask me things um or or no, it didn't. what's that <laughs> i said no it didn't no it didn't obviously it did not right it's here now um but when people talk about things like you know they talk about cryptozoology as unbelievable because you know we haven't discovered anything well that's not necessarily that's exactly what this is um this is you know cryptozoology is just verifying unverified animals that's exactly what it means and i know we got the mystical magical bigfoot and stuff like that but sometimes it's just boring shit like extinct owls guys it happens this stuff happens and um you know but the funny thing is is that we kind of talked and actually um pat this was during your absence um what was happening at the time big news was that uh, a gentleman in australia was claiming that he caught evidence of the tasmanian tiger which is another you know, it's kind of a bigger one in the cryptid community. It's been extinct for probably equally as long as the owl, a very long time. And uh, he said that he caught video evidence of it and he took it to the uh, whatever society for animals in Australia. And, you know, they told him that that wasn't enough evidence. And so it kind of called into question in the cryptid community, are pictures really going to be enough evidence of things? You know, however, in the case of this owl, it is. 
So you see the picture and it's a good picture of an owl. It's not like it's blurry. It's not obstructed by trees and things like that. You know, typical things that you'll see in the cryptic community with Bigfoot, lake monsters and whatnot. However, what about the Patterson Gimlin footage? I mean, that's it's it's the clearest, you know, video. It's a video that we have of of one of these things. And that wasn't enough to prove that it existed. So why is this picture of an owl okay? Well, that you're talking about the California Bigfoot footage from the 70s, right? From the 60s, 67. 60s. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I that is that is relatively clear, but I would say, and I'm not saying that I think that that footage is faked, but um, you're asking like why isn't why is that dealt with more skepticism than this, right? And I would say because the quality is dubious and the type of creature that it's photographing. I mean, that could have been a person in the suit and that owl, like no one's trying to act like that owl was like a flying child or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> like it was, just, it was an owl. Like there's no fucking two way about it. Um, and I guess maybe it, that's what I think it would have to come down to is just qu- picture quality. And, and what does it actually show and what can you, what can you 100% verify from the footage? And for whatever reason, that video of that owl checks more bot or pictures of that owl checks more boxes than that Bigfoot video from the sixties. That's true. Not, I mean, not that I'm saying that I don't think that Bigfoot footage is legit. Yeah, don't a say that, of, Pat, because a they lot will come of people for you. don't. <laughs> let, let <laughs> they will come, come for you on the show. They will be like, uh, uh-uh. uh, <laughs> that's fire. Let them come. Let them come. <laughs> come everywhere. <laughs> right. Oh yeah, no. we got to talk about what we're doing Thursday too. I'm not going to derail your thing, but. We yeah, bring that up. Yeah, we'll, okay. yeah, we'll talk about that. Um, but yeah, so it, you know, it's um, it, I think that what it comes down to, I mean, honestly, I think that the only reason why it is is because, um, the owl in question was a species that we knew did in fact exist, right? And so it's okay. extinct. So it's kind of a different category. Whereas, like, if we discovered Sasquatch, it's a it's a new class of species. It's a whole new sure. thing. It's a whole new ball game. And uh, you know, maybe that's why. But then, like, like I said, we were talking about you know, Sunny about the Tasmanian tiger. And it's a very similar situation to the owl, it, even more so because Tasmanian tiger we know existed. We have video footage of them from way back then. These have been zoos and stuff. And um, you know, we don't, they, we don't have they, they're allegedly extinct now. But then this guy came out with some photographs, and the problem there, I think, lied within the fact that his photographs weren't very clear. It was just kind of like maybe a back end, maybe a tail. Now, whether or not you try that in the court of public opinion, you know, that's up to you. And of course, you guys are free to make up your own minds about what you think about things. But, you know, when it comes to scientific advancements and studies and classifications, stuff like that, I I mean, I I agree. There are certain things that we need to have in place um, in order to, you know, prove these things but either way um happy happy birthday i guess borny and owl wherever you are um <laughs> if you're listening to the show <laughs> i guess or you know i guess you never you never died so i i don't know you're you're here but you're you're reborn so it counts but right. um i'll tell i'll tell this one and then we'll talk about our we'll talk about what's happening thursday there's something happening thursday you guys know let's let's really build it up let's hype it up um but kind of pertaining to that exciting I didn't talk about, I don't know why I didn't talk about this on the show. Um, back in April, in like the middle of April, there was another Mothman sighting at the O'Hare Airport in Chicago. 
And uh, it was witnessed by a um, a woman who worked for the Department of Aviation right there, at, I guess right next to the airport or whatever. And um, she was leaving work and she came outside and she saw this thing. It screeched at her or something and she got in her car and she left. She didn't report any illnesses or anything like that. Sometimes people do. But what was telling, what was extra interesting. Now, Mothman has seen a lot uh, around that area. And, you know, from what I hear, it's a very, I haven't been there yet, but it's a very weird area to begin with. And, um, you know, he's kind of seen there a lot. But what's interesting about this case in particular is that a couple of nights later, on the 21st of April, a shuttle bus driver actually came out and said that he saw what we believe to be the Mothman. Um, so you had these back-to-back sightings, and that's, man, that's fun. That's a lot of fun. I think so. <laughs> but, you know, Pat, we've been kind of talking about it. Um, it was kind of, it was brought to my attention. Um, somebody who I, follows me on Twitter sent me a message. He was talking about, um, I don't know why he brought up the O'Hare Airport. I have no idea. But he was telling me, like, how I should be very, if I plan on going there, I should be very careful because he's heard all kinds of weird stuff. People you know people going missing in the woods around there and satanic cults the triangle woods um yeah there was actually one of my one of my first uh introductions to like i guess uh well i don't know how you want to put it so like in in chicago in the early 90s there was a radio dj called man cow and he's kind of he's like a fucking third rate stern but uh and he's he was syndicated nationally for a while but uh he originally you know got his his start here in chicago um and he had he would do like these crazy storylines that it's it's really interesting like to look back on him because a lot of them had to do with occult and conspiracy stuff now it was also a lot of it was like radio drama but um you know instead of just doing your your normal like morning zoo you know like crazy fucking uh strippers riding sibians type stuff that stern was doing he would have these like elaborate like plot lines that would go would be stretched out over weeks on his radio show and one of them was about black helicopters and how you know he uh he thought that like the clintons were which is crazy now to look at but like this was you know during the when when clinton was president um that you know they were globalists and they were kind of pushing us towards this new world order and he heard that there was warehouses full of blue money and that was going to be the one world currency and all this stuff and like which is like crazy fucking material for a morning radio show (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but it worked and like a lot of it was very popular and he he had a lot of success here in chicago not so much anymore okay. but back in the day and um one of uh he wasn't from here originally i think he was from missouri but uh everyone most of the people on his radio show were from here and one of the guy that did his traffic's name was freak okay i actually interviewed freak for my high school newspaper and freak was from that area and he would tell stories about the triangle woods and about things that they would find in the woods and him and his friends would go in there as kids and like ride their bikes and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, once again, not sure how much of this was kind of overplayed radio antics to get people listening. Sure. But that was, that was the first time I heard about it. Now over the years, I heard more and more stuff and, you know, 
kind of when you where there's smoke there's fire the more of these stories that you hear the more kind of credence you pay to them um but yeah there's i heard stories about uh on the bike paths they found piano wire okay and uh that people would be like decapitated riding their bikes around there and some of these some of these forest preserves and um i mean it wasn't like a, a it would happen every once in a while but um they wouldn't find the heads what yeah and um i had a uh i think i might have told this story before i had an uncle that used to work at a camera store back when like if you took pictures you would have to bring it to a camera store to get the pic- the film developed right? right one of his uh regular customers was a local police department that um Ooh. would bring in all their surveillance pictures because the police department wasn't big enough to have their own photo processing lab and all this stuff so they would just go to able camera and video and have that guy do it and um he would see a lot of pictures of uh these cops on stakeouts in the forest preserves photographing um i mean just to use the blanket term saint worshipers saint worshipers but i don't know specifically like what they were sure if they were worshiping and if they were worshiping satan but weird occult shit in the woods at night right and um yeah and i think like i want to say one of the first episodes i did with you i think i told you that story about my buddy that disappeared yeah yeah we've we've talked about that yeah yeah now that wasn't that specific area but that just kind of goes to um that kind of stuff happens around here sure but it it kind of you know people disappear and people sometimes die and um you know i it, it doesn't necessarily always make a make you know become front page news mm-hmm. um especially if it's under mysterious circumstances and especially if it's in a, a forest preserve or something which yeah. is ca- county territory um yeah. i i want to say i bet if you were to research that i would not be surprised if you if you read about the traps though the telephone wire um pits that were dug and people would occasionally get killed or fall into them and get maimed and stuff and uh they'd find altars a lot you know in the 80s and 90s all in that area now i don't know what's specific to that area mm-hmm. um if it's geographically if it's on dragon lines or some shit i don't know um but yeah that that's kind of a a, a crazy area i mean it's definitely something that now i've you know kind of i mean like i'd always heard that but i guess i'd never really i mean my alarm bells hadn't really gone off yet i mean as far as you know the mothman research itself goes i mean i figured that was probably something that i would come across eventually um but you know considering we haven't been able to make it out there ourselves to investigate um you know it it hasn't been it hasn't really been pushed that far but to have somebody just kind of come out and, and and warn me beforehand i mean that's not typically something that happens a lot so <laughs> I mean, yeah. it can. usually people have like a very general like oh be careful out there but this was like it was so specific I, it was just it was strange i mean i just feel like you learn about things when you need to learn about them and i suppose it's it's high time that i learn about them so um you know if you guys have any stories of of chicago um and you know specifically you said it's called the triangle woods that's what they call it over there yeah i'm actually sending you a uh I'm actually sending you a story right now where they talk about the booby trapped with Vietnam, like punji steaks or spikes hammered through planks. 
okay. or trip wires and neck wires to knock you down. Yeah, this and this is a Chicago Tribune article from 1989 mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. about you know, and and now granted, this was also. Oh, this is also during the satanic panic. Like I'm sure right. they were saying that Which we know is kind of a mass hysteria type of right. Like they're yeah. talking to one cop and he goes, we believe that some of these established groups breed babies for sacrifice. Yeah. And I don't yeah, think that's, that's all right, happening. man. I mean, you know, but I think it definitely, it probably, I mean, you know, I, I, I come across these, these particular areas of high strangeness a lot, you know, with what I do. And so um, it just, it's, it's not, I can't see it surprising. You know, I can't say that it's shocking at all that this is also happens to be where the Mothman sightings are happening nowadays. Um, but um, it's exciting is what it is. So, it's, yeah. uh, you know, it get, gets gets my rock off. So um, <laughs> we'll probably talk about it. You know, we've been playing with show ideas. We'll, we'll probably cover it to a greater extent one of these days. Like I, said, I would like to, yeah. um, you know, depending on what we find. But like I said, if you guys have stories and whatnot, you know, please send me a DM you know or, or whatever and you know send pat a dm and tell them you know to get you in contact with me our our social medias are always in the description um so definitely get a hold of us and and let us know but um before we continue further uh pat and i have an exciting event coming up for you guys it'll be tomorrow um for us it is thursday what is that the uh 20 27th thursday the 20 27th right yeah, yeah. Um, we are going to be doing, so a lot of, you know, I've been doing the clubhouse thing. We've, right. We've had, uh, but Kenzie Gleason on who also, you know, I mostly do, I do it with her a lot. Um, so on Thursday at 9 30 PM Eastern time, we are doing an episode. It's called crypto casters and it is run by Greg Morrill, who also runs the order order 66 podcast, um, which is all about star Wars. If you're into that kind of thing. Um, but we will be on with him, and Ryan, I believe his last name is pronounced Sprague or Sprague, Ryan Sprague. He's from the Somewhere in the Skies podcast. Um, he also just uh, released his book recently, Somewhere in the Skies. And then we'll, we'll also be on with our, um, artist Sam Sheeran, who did a lot of work with Into the Fray. Um, so some some pretty some pretty exciting people, and we will be discussing alien cryptids over there. So I'm sure. Uh, Mothman will definitely be a part of that if if that's you know your your go to and we'll definitely have um you know some more I'll I'll cover more about the Flatwoods monster and you know obviously other people will bring in topics and you can kind of hear our takes on things but um that is this Thursday at at nine thirty p.m. Eastern so I am excited I've started to use that Clubhouse app more and uh, it's uh it's pretty neat. It is, you know, and I yeah. think that if and I have, I, I mentioned that I had invites on yeah. my Twitter, and like I got the most random, weird people yeah. asking me for invites. But it's like, no, I need your phone number, right? right? Like, I don't, and I don't want your phone number, and I don't want you to have mine. So, like, this is over. Yeah. But uh, yeah. definitely, it's worth checking out because I, I had the app for about a month, and I really didn't do anything with it. And then I, this thing was coming up, and I was like, okay. I'll start popping in on rooms and listening to people talk and stuff. It's, it's really, it is really cool. And it's this weird hybrid between like podcasting, but like having a live, cause it's live. It's, so, yeah, right. and it's very interactive and it, but it's being recorded. So it could also be used as a podcast later. 
Well, it, it not necessarily like you can't record from the clubhouse app. So like I know Jeremiah does because we do it with the the Bigfoot Society um, podcast yeah. club. So that's he, the one I pop in on for the most part. Yeah, he records his. I don't really know exactly how he does it. And I know Greg is talking about recording this episode, mm-hmm. um, which I hope he figures out. But I haven't quite figured out how people record on through clubhouse it's not something that's that's offered because the point of clubhouse is that it's exclusive and if you don't catch it in the moment you don't catch it at all okay i mean that's that's kind of cool that it it reminds me of like like ham radio you know what i mean is yeah because it's yeah it's it's being broadcast via the internet or or this cell phone app um because there's no website there's no like desktop application right it's just 100 percent your cell phone app okay yeah yeah it is right yeah it is and they just came they just came out with it for android um for a long time it was iphone exclusive and i mean for a couple months it was only it was iphone exclusive but um yeah it's strictly it's strictly through the app like i said i know with a lot of the bigfoot society stuff um they do record it Jeremiah puts it on his YouTube channel, which you can find at Bigfoot Society, um, plus his his podcast, anywhere you get podcasts and all that wonderful stuff. Um, it was kind of hilarious because <clears throat> I've never started a room in Clubhouse yet. And I especially haven't started one, you know, with the club that, you know, or any of the clubs that I'm in. Um, so I just kind of wanted to like, pl- I was just kind of playing around with it because I'm still trying to get the hang of it. <clears throat> and uh you know, when you first get on it, you're on this like landing page and it's all like, for me, it's like weird topics and stuff I don't even pay attention to. First and foremost will be like your clubs that you're in. If they're having a room, then you could like jump into those. But then there's like all these other like random rooms. And like this particular day, for some reason, there was like five rooms about pizza. <laughs> and I don't know why. <laughs> and so I'm just like scrolling through and like finally, like I see like my, like I said, my, like my fifth room about pizza. And I'm like, what is this? And it's being hosted by uh, Michael Fox, the famous guy, Michael Fox. And um, so I don't know. I just popped into it to listen. And it's just, it's called Let's Make a Pizza with, you know, Chef so and so, some famous chef. I don't know these fucking people. And uh, as soon as I pop in, Michael Fox invited me up as a speaker mm. <laughs> and I'm like oh well yeah of course of course I'll come up and talk about pizza fuck so when you go up in a room as a speaker like it will tell you like if certain people are listening in on different rooms like people that you follow and stuff but if you're a speaker it will notify people on their phones everybody will get a notification so and so is talking in this room okay and so it notifies and again i'm only friends with people in in you know the 40 and the cryptozoology community and the and the ufology community like these fucking weird people and like 10 people came in to listen to me talk about pizza and i <laughs> it was like it was so funny it just i i just was i mean it was it was great it was a great feeling i'm so happy that all these people support me and they're wonderful but we're like talking like i'm i hadn't even i mean i hadn't spoken i hadn't said anything and um we have a discord chat for the bigfoot society podcast and i like read a little message it's like you guys are killing me with the fact that you all popped in to hear me talk about pizza and so we're just kind of behind the scenes chit-chatting and stuff like that and you know it's it's fun you know clubhouse is its own kind of community and you know and once you do join it, if you guys want to join in the um bigfoot society club on clubhouse um just let me know i still have invites la- left pat i'm sure you've got invites you know some of us have invites yeah and, um we can we can add you into the club and not every show is recorded there are some you know clubhouse exclusive shows um that you will have to have the club but you you know once you're in the club you also have access to the dis- the discord 
where we post all kinds of things. Um, we post, um, you know, different pieces of evidence and other upcoming events and, you know, things like that. So, um, you know, definitely let us know if you want to join, but it's a, it's, it's a fun time. I, I like it. So right that's all, that's all I have for my news this week, Pat, what, you, what you got? Oh, I had a, I had a story that I was going to tell, but it would just make this intro even longer. Oh no! Uh, <laughs> so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna shoot you this picture, and and I'll just kind of give this super reader Reader's Digest version. Okay. Uh, basically, I woke up because I'm a like as we discussed in past episodes, I'm a 40 year old man. So uh, I get up several times throughout the course of the night, take a piss, sure. and w- during one of these times, I woke up and I checked my phone, and I got a friend's request on instagram from somebody and uh the the name of the instagram account was uh mike dexter fucks veronica stillwell sure veronica stillwell is a girl that i know that um i i haven't seen or talked to in years but um she was a uh, the little sister of a friend of mine and she runs a very successful business i'm not friends with her on instagram but i do follow her business on instagram mm-hmm. and this person mike desk mike dexter created an instagram account called mike's mike dexter fucks veronica stillwell and the only picture that's posted to this account is a picture of her and the caption reads i fuck her and her husband doesn't know <laughs> wow and it shook me (laughs) to my core i like was like what the fuck like this dude is crazy (laughs) because what he did was he created this account and the account name was you know declaring declaring that he is fucking her the the account consisted of one picture that said i am fucking her and her husband doesn't know and then he went and he friends requested everybody that follows her business wow and the amount of like i mean let's just let's just i mean is, is that i mean you're more socially adept than i so you can kind of probably brand this correctly i mean slut shaming uh toxic masculinity like oh incels he, yeah but yeah, I mean, well not in not incel because apparently he's banging her and her husband well that's know. true but just that's like true. like the venom because like just like well, it, it was she's hurt him in some type of well way. she probably said i don't want to fuck you anymore. well first of all who knows if this is true right, right? it that's could just true. be completely complete fucking nonsense um but i it just like i think when i you know, and it, it like really freaked me out. And I was, I was telling my wife about it today, and she was like, "Oh, why are you fucking? Did it, make, did it scare you?" And I'm like, no. "Yeah, I guess not because like I was afraid that like someone was going to do that to me, but just because like like that amount of venom, like when you get people that are that pissed off, yeah, that are that unhinged, that are that scorched the fucking earth, because like he used his, if, if this is legit, which it might not be, and of course she." took to the her work account first thing in the morning and said this is bullshit i don't know who the fuck this person is but like and and she might be 100 right i'm not doubting her story at all i don't know i haven't seen this person like it could be years. an angry customer yeah maybe but like whatever whatever it is i mean it doesn't necessarily have to be what it represents itself right. as it, it could be anything else um 
but yeah, like that kind of venom and like hatred and like anger and like, just like, I'm going to, I'm going to make this account and I'm going to tell everybody like, holy yeah. shit. Could you imagine like if you were that guy and you woke up to that and you were like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> it's just like, I just imagine like how many lives were being ruined in that moment. Like fucking drama bomb, yo. Like, yeah. For one yeah. reason. And like that kind of thing, like it left a it left an indelible mark on me. And like I was I was talking to my uh, friend about it today, Ashley, who is probably listening to the show. Hey, Ashley, and um, she was like, you know, it's shit like that that just makes you want to delete your fucking social media. Yeah, yeah. And like okay. just just go fucking dark and be like, I'm I don't I don't. If somebody wants to get a hold of me, they can they can call my cell. I don't mm-hmm. I don't need people, you know giving me claps because i post a picture of my fucking dog you know what i mean like you know i don't know which I, it's not that i have i mean my social media is still active um because i don't worry about stuff like this but it's it's just like it's just me you know every once in a while and i feel like this i might have even talked about this on the show before every once in a while something happens and like you just realize like how small the internet is yeah and how vulnerable you make yourself just by just by being on it you know what yeah. i mean like it let's say that let's say that this this none of this is real and this is just somebody that got drunk last night and thought like this is a pretty elaborate fucking prank because how well how much effort did they really put in to make that account Not what, does it, what, what does it take to make an instagram account like right. three minutes right and they used one picture that she had already posted somewhere else made an outlandish claim with no no proof no no, right. no real reason to verify it and then just fucking spams everybody that's you know all your your followers are public okay all these people get friends requests they're all gonna see it and uh yeah it was just like that just even being like a bystander to something that malicious like that could have been done that easily like totally freaked me the fuck out I agree. And, uh, I agree. We well, we I, kind of had something similar happen in the crypto community, and I'm not going to name any names. It's, 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 it'll be quick, but um, a, f- a fellow uh, YouTuber, you know, paranormal YouTuber, um, his mom died, and another YouTuber, a really really big YouTuber, um, decided that that was high time to to roll out an attack on this person and told his fans to basically go after this person. While the dude's fucking burying his mom and he's getting bombarded with messages and emails and people blowing up his, his comments on his videos and all this shit. And it's just like, well, how disgusting could you be to do something like that? I mean, you know, the guy's not the guy wasn't a threat to him in the first place. You know, the one guy is a way bigger channel than the other guy could probably ever imagine to be honestly and you know did this just for what to be nasty to hurt someone's feelings to kick them well, what, down. yeah i mean what was the what was the uh catalyst there like why did the person but they've got it i mean they have a history um right. you know, they, yeah, they, must. they had a little bit of a, of a falling out um but it wasn't bad the one guy publicly you know was asked the smaller channel guy was publicly asked if he would ever work with that guy again and he said no he wasn't interested and that was it that's all it took so it was like an ego thing i don't know it hurt his feelings i'm not sure but it wasn't anything bad it wasn't like a big no-no i just i'm all for putting fucking people on blast i really am i'll tell you right now i'm 
petty as fuck. I can be very <laughs> petty. However, I don't think you should put someone on blast unless they've they've done one of the what I call a big no no. You know, unless they're racist or you know, like we're going to talk about tonight, a pedophile or, you know, mm. they are or whatever. I mean, a rapist, you know, whatever you have to. I, I got to have a good reason to to justify doing that. And this was not a good reason to justify doing something like that. And, um, you know, I, so who knows? I mean, in, in this case with this person that you're talking about, I mean, I, I see the picture. You're right. It's not even like it's a picture of like her and him together. It's you know, there's no proof behind it. But right. I mean, unless she did something that was um, horrible and terrible, and I don't know how people are reacting to it. I, you know, I, I only see the screenshot you sent, but you know, I'd imagine that other people are chiming in with their two cents um, and their disgustingness and and whatnot, and just choosing hate. They just woke up today and they chose to hate. That's all that yeah, is. Yeah, I reported the account, the account immediately, Good. just because I was like, no, I can't fucking live in a world where I. I would hope that if if the shoe was on the other foot right. and someone tried to publicly defame me like that, that my friends would report that shit before sunrise. Sure. You know, sure. Someone comes after me in the middle of the night, fucking sure. take the kill shot, bury the body, and don't leave any evidence sure. before everyone else wakes sure. up. Well, speaking of people that need to be shamed, yeah. you want to kind of give a, a preface to tonight's topic? Yeah, so we have uh, attorney Lee Jacobson on discussing a, a very interesting, uh, heartbreaking, but like disgusting and also captivating case that he's involved with right now sure. involving a lawsuit against, um, well, the lawsuit's against a couple institutions, but basically it involves revolves around uh, the sexual abuse of uh, young athletes. Um by a hockey coach and uh in a very strange and bizarre way which uh i thought made it perfect fodder for our show so yeah. well i mean you know let's we'll give kind of a little bit of a background here um so this this guy it was a hockey coach um do you have his name readily available because i do not well we call he was calling him chico uh <laughs> but i can give me a second i'll pull it up because i do have it in my notes sure. uh his name was thomas chico Adronis. Well, well, we'll definitely we'll put it in big bold capital letters for everybody to see because this guy's a piece of shit. He's a bad person. Um, but well, you know what? The one thing I noticed he didn't say though, he never said allegedly because I don't think this guy's actually been convicted of this. No, I don't. I don't believe he has either. And I, I don't think I, I don't think he'd be coaching little league right now if he was. Right. So, um, yeah, well, and who knows? I mean, the world's a fucked up place, but, um, basically the, the logistics of it is that this, this man was taking these athletes on his teams and he was grooming them and he was taking them, um, into his house where they kind of cut a deal where he knew this woman who would, uh, perform sexual acts on them. Um, but the only stipulation was that they had to be, like tied down to the bed and blindfolded or not be able to look or, you know, what have you, no touching, no looking. Um, and the woman would come in, perform her duties, and then she would leave. Well, come to find out it wasn't this woman at all. This woman never existed. And it was actually the coach and possibly even other people, but mostly, as we know, the coach doing this. And uh, he did this for um, a very long time, for got away with it for 40 years until recently. It seemed like the victims are finally coming out and, you know, and and discussing getting justice yeah yeah finally you know and, and it's well deserved i mean they should be getting more in my opinion but 
that's okay. Um, you know, maybe just putting the name out there, I think is definitely important. Um, but yeah, so, you know, we, we sit down with, uh, Lee Jacobson, who is the, um, currently representing the victims in the lawsuit against the institutions, because there's a lot of talk about how these people kind of turn their back and turned a blind eye to what was going on, whether or not that's because they were involved or just because they didn't want to get involved. We, we can't really say, um, mm. but you know, I, I think it is very interesting to have his take on it, but, um, you know, definitely, uh, Take this with uh, what you will. The people, you know, the 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 survivors here deserve the utmost respect. Um, and yeah, so hi Lee, how are you doing? Good, good. Hi. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so we're definitely, um, you know, we're interested in uh, discussing obviously this case with you further. Do you kind of want to, you know, tell us how you kind of got started and stumbled upon this this whole thing? Yeah, no, I'd absolutely, I'd love to. Um, so about a, about a year ago, there was an article in the Athletic about this uh, Illinois hockey coach who had been um, sexually assaulting teenage boys for the last forty years. Mm -hmm. And uh, I received the article from a friend of mine who sent it to me via text um, because I didn't. So the Athletic. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Athletic, but it's a subscription-based sports magazine. And it's really high end, but um, but like not everybody gets it because you got to pay, you know, six bucks a month for sure. it. And, you know that I mean, in the age of the internet, that's enough not for people mm -hmm. not to buy it, right? So um, this is this this coach that every that I grew up playing against and I was very familiar with um, from being you know, a kid growing up playing in Illinois hockey. And so I subscribed to the Athletic and I read the article, and the article was extremely graphic. It's kind of and extremely horrific. Mm -hmm. But wildly enough, it described instances that I was aware of because I had heard rumors almost to the exact tales of, of what actually took place in this article. Okay. And I was like floored by it because it was the first time that these, these rumors um, actually weren't rumors now they would mm -hmm. like somebody some reporter had investigated and discovered that this actually took place mm -hmm. and uh it, so i read the article and i i i was going to comment on the thread and i wrote like this really long comment and i ended up deleting the comment and then turning it into an email and directing it straight to the author and basically i i, I reached out to her and i said hey listen you know, I grew up in Illinois hockey. Um, I I knew this guy. He recruited me when I was 16 to play for him. Um, I knew the rumors. I knew that he wasn't allowed in the dressing room while kids were getting dressed or undressed. Mm -hmm. I heard the rumors about Sheila and um, the and and the. Uh, Un, you know the unsolicited sex that he had had with minors but they were just rumors and i almost played for this guy and i, I kind of talked to her about like the climate um well in the email like just the climate of illinois hockey when i was coming up and yeah and i said i said you know i feel like i was part of the problem because i was aware of the rumors and i didn't and i didn't take them serious enough and i feel like i was part of what let down these people that were sexually assaulted, um, even though I was, you know, 14 when I first heard the rumors, 16 when I got interviewed to play for the guy, um, I just felt like I was, I, I was on the side that was part of the problem because we weren't 
because we were ignoring these rumors. And, um, you know, just as a culture, as a hockey culture, we were ignoring these rumors. And I said, hey, you know, just get, you know, I grew up in the same, I grew up in the South Side of Chicago. Um, my client grew up in the South Side of Chicago, went to Mount Carmel. He went to Mount Carmel High School. You know, we're hockey guys, played a pretty high level. Uh, we had a lot in common, and even though he's like 15, 16 years older than me, I said, I, I, I said to the reporter, you know, in this email, you know, I'm a lawyer now. I mean, if this guy has a speeding ticket that he needs to get out of, give him my mm-hmm. number. Tell him I'd like to help make things better for him in his life so any way I can. Like, I'd like to help this person. I feel like I was, wasn't part of the solution then. I'd like to be a part of it now. And so um, she reached out to me. We, we actually had a really good conversation. I told her my experience um, in Illinois hockey and kind of how I thought, how, you know, like what it was like to know these rumors and why we ignored them and how sure. bizarre it is that we did this. Um, and um, she put me in touch with my, with my clients and uh, I've been representing him ever, ever since in this matter. And now we, um, we represent currently five, we, like to refer to them as survivors rather than victims right? Um, because, you know, they take ownership of, of, of like, they're taking ownership of the rest of their lives yeah. versus like what was taken from them as children. Um, and, uh, you know, we're currently engaged in a federal lawsuit against, you know, the university of Minnesota, USA hockey, and, uh, the athletic hockey association of Illinois and, uh, Tom Chico and And, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's been, it's, um, it, it's, you know, we're the good guys and they're, and these poor kids were subjected to all these things and, mm-hmm. and this whole entire culture, um, missed it. And it's really wild. And, um, you know, I, I'm not, I'll, I'll stop to breathe so that you guys can ask questions if you want, but, <laughs> yeah. um, but like, I'll just tell you this, um, the wildest part is like, you know, I, I probably know a hundred people that play for Chico Andradas. Like literally, like personally, mm-hmm. no honor people. My dad helped get guys on his team. My co-counsel in this case actually played for him for three years. Um, I I know tons of people that played for him, and I didn't know any people that were actually sexually assaulted until I represented them in this case. Mm-hmm. Um, but we all knew the rumors, and but it but at the time it seemed like sour grapes because you have this guy who's coaching national championship youth hockey teams in Illinois, the highest level. And if you wanted to play in the NHL and you were from Illinois, you, the, the path inevitably crossed path crossroads with him. You he either coached you or you played against them. You know, if you were going to be anything, you came from Illinois. And so, and his teams were always the best and he coached at the university of Minnesota and he coached these national championship teams. He produced NHL players. So it was, it was, there was like the sheer disbelief that how could they, it sounded like basically the rumors were coming from coaches whose teams weren't as good and from players who couldn't make his team. Right. That's what it really felt like because he was in such a prominent, he was hiding in public in plain sight. Right. And like, how could this possibly be if, if this is really true, how, how how could he possibly be still coaching? Mm-hmm. And that's literally how he hid for forty years. Isn't that yeah. crazy? Yeah. So you had mentioned the uh, the Sheila um, mechanism that he used to uh, facilitate his abuse. Can you kind of explain that for the audience? So what um, what Chico Andra Tom Chico Andrade? So I'm going to refer to him as Chico because that's what he actually. Everybody kind of knows him as. So it's actually more comfortable for me to say it. 
Um, cause that's how I've known who he was forever. Now I'm 39 years old. So I've known, you know, 15 years. Um, he, uh, what he would do is, so he would groom players. Okay. Um, he, he was very predatory and, um, and very, very intelligent. He would, uh, he would groom players and when he would, but he would groom all the players. So like he, so like he had like, he would groom the popular kids to the the popular kids, the cool kids, the the talented kids to be his loud speaker about how great he was and how awesome he was. And he would groom parents into trusting him. And then he would groom the kids from broken homes, kids without with low self-esteem. He would groom them to be his victims by by giving them attention and inviting them into a, a club. Um, like a, a special club with the coach where they share intimacies and, and, and secrets about each other, you know, with each other. And they just become, just become wrapped in this like kind of culture of like, of, of you know, secrecy, like, like an insight, mm-hmm. like a, like a boys club. And these are, these are people that were on the outside all the time, even though they're at a high level playing the sport at this point, they're still like on the bottom, like social rungs. You know, just because they can play doesn't mean that they're not socially kind of on the rungs, or at least they thought they were because they had a broken home or for whatever reason, you know, like by any means. But he would single them out, find the weak, the fawn, the the fawn with the sprained ankle. And and he what he would do is um, he would groom the other players, the popular kids to be those loud horns so that it would so that these kids could speak out less. So like, so like they were already like, they already had issues and he would go after them and they would be stuck in that space even deeper and darker in those holes because everybody else was a loudspeaker on how great he was. And don't you stop picking on Chico. You're just upset because he's straight, you know, because he's different, which back then meant, you know, in in, in the late nineties was, you know, different when he was homosexual. He sure. people kind of thought he was quirky, you know, never married, um, follow, went on tour following Diana Ross. Um, you know, just, yeah, like being just, just, uh, but like, so like, but that was like, but that's not a crime. No, that's not not a crime. So he, uh, so he would, so he, what he would do is he would bring these, 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 this is all stuff that I've learned, you know, throughout, I, I heard through rumors and then learned through my, you know, through my working, um, in this case and learned a lot more. Um, so what he would do is he would bring these, 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 these children. And I remind you, they're children. I mean, they might be 15, 16 years old, but you're, you're a child, you mm-hmm. know, like you don't, you don't know what you're doing at that time. You're, you, you have no clue about, you know, you, you have no clue. You, you, you can't sm- sniff out the predators. You don't know about Diana you know? Ross. <laughs> She's in the Supremes, right? It's supposed, be, <laughs> it's supposed to be cool. Supremes are cool. So, so he would bring these, these kids to like his apartment and he had like a hockey house and like, you know, and they would watch hockey and eat order pizza. And then as the night got later on, he might like throw on some porn while they're talking about like, just like he would just normal, he, he would throw on some porn while they were talking about, um, you know, a hockey just in the background. And he would normalize this abnormal kind of relationship that he would have with these kids, maybe introduce alcohol to them and you know maybe talk about their sex lives but like all while being this prominent special coach who's giving them special attention and a lot of these kids you know one of my clients i mean he literally preyed on him because he had lost his dad that year 
you know, really, really, really dark stuff. Right. And, uh, and he would, and so he would demand trust to get in the circle and then he would keep trying, he, he, there were like layers of it. And he would keep bringing the, he would keep bringing the teenager deeper into the circle by offering them like more exclusive circles that he was in, like maybe like the hockey house where um, they drank beer and watched porn and hockey and porn was like 10 guys. But then like when it got, or when it got down to like the late night that they would spend, people would spend over, it would only be like four guys, you know, like, so it was like, he would create like these different kind of circles of trust within his world and normalize an abnormal behavior until until they felt like that that like this special coach who could get them to the nhl this special coach that believed in their talents the only way that you that this is just his way of, of, of teaching this is like this is cool this is he's looking out for me this is like I, I i'm lucky i'm fortunate to be here just listen to him just trust him he knows what he's doing you know he's this is what he does he makes superstars and then he would finally get to a space where he would he would offer the children um to, he would offer to provide um this woman who would perform uh fellatio on on them but she was an abuse victim herself which the irony is just beyond crazy she was an abuse victim herself so she and she was not very pretty and so she didn't like them anybody to see her or touch her so but she loved to she loved to pleasure men and so he would he know he knew her really well and he would call her and she would come over and her name was sheila but you had to be bound at the ankles and at the hands and you had to have a blindfold over your head in an all dark room otherwise she wouldn't do anything with you and he she he he literally brought Sheila upon, he he literally brought Sheila upon these upon generations like a couple like a generation or two of young men he literally this was the Sheila story that like followed from team to team and he actually perpetrated from team to team and this is a story that i first caught wind of not the name Sheila but i caught wind of this story when i was 14 years old in the locker room hearing stories about like think like oh you played for chico what did you know what did he tie you up and put the, put a pillow over your head and and you know perform oral sex on you um and you know as a young kid listening to the older kids kind of taunt each other you just listen you, but it's, you don't really you don't take it as reality well sure but like then you grow you know i you know now i'm 37 years old and i'm reading a newspaper article in the athletic that literally says that that's exactly what he did yeah. and it's beyond crazy because mm-hmm. it was thick, you know truth was stranger than fiction at that point you know like in our you know it was all it was all farce but yeah so he would do he, you know Sheila would perform um oral sex on you know one two three people a night sometimes on, on some of these nights and like you know he would be the first to go and then he'd come out of the he, he'd come out of the the room and high five everybody as they went and then the next person would go in you know and like it was this whole kind of uh it was it was this whole facade but it, it went on for it went on for you know 40 years and you know sheila would travel out of state with them conveniently right and uh it's it, it's really wild because it, it seems you know simple 
it seems very simple and like how could you possibly how could you possibly fall for this right um but you gotta remember a 16 year old super impressionable 17 year old super impressionable this is this legendary coach telling you be cool with me mm-hmm. get involved in this kind of behavior that makes you more part of the guy club mm-hmm. so all all us guys here do it and you know i'll I'm, you know, we're all part of the club. And if you're part of the club, I'll get you to the next level. Well, I, oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I can't, I, I, I don't know what the uh, survivors went through, but, or what their individual like um, stories are, but I can't imagine that like somebody else told them that Sheila wasn't real. I'm sure they all realized at some point that they were being had. Right. Like, I, um, I mean, is there, is there any instance where like, you know, there was like, this went on for like, I don't know, a, a year or two with like one individual. And then somebody's like, yo, Sheila's not real. And he's like, what? And like, he's totally well, caught so- off guard. Like, I would think that you would kind of get the feeling that it was something hinky was going on, but you so just that's kept- precisely, that's precisely what, what happened in several cases. Really? Um, where they, where, 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 no, where, where, where they got the feeling over time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we're like got the feeling over time, um, you know, and like you know, you know, like one, um, and like or like the you know they would have a run in with their friends, you know, like and, and share with their friends. Their friends were like, well, you know, some maybe might be joking, be like, well, Sheila's not a girl. Sheila's the coach, you know, right. um, you know, and then like the light bulb goes on along those lines, you know, and, and, and everybody's experience was, was, was really different and not getting into details because, well, I mean, it's public knowledge. You can read the complaint, sure. right. you know, so it's not like I'm, I'm saying anything that's not out there. Um, but like, you know, the, the impact of knowing once you found out is pretty substantial. And I mean, these guys are, you know, um, they're, they're trauma victims. I mean, at the end of the day, like they are actually trauma victims. And sometimes, you know, because they're men and they're and, like, they were hockey players. And so mm-hmm. they're, they're, you know, they're, they're athletically built and there's, there's a lot, there's a certain kind of stigma to hockey players and machoism. Um, and, and even ki- people carry it as adults, you know, that played, um, that it's, it's, sometimes it's, it's tough to, to see them as trauma victims. But like, I mean, this man literally took, took, he saw their vulnerabilities he took advantage of their vulnerabilities and he literally stole decades of their lives because some, some of the, some of the, you know, the survivors, you know, you know, had, I mean, coping through being a sexual assault victim. I mean, I, I, I couldn't even imagine what, what they actually went through, but like, um, they, you know, they suffered real, real difficult psychological, you know, problems, substance abuse, you know, a lot of, you know, like, and it's, it's, it's very common amongst abused uh, people that have that survived abuse. But I mean, this guy robbed them of their, of, you know, some of these, some of these people, their entire lives. I mean, there's, we, there's some, there's some speculation as to people that might've killed themselves as a oh, result, wow. result of this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, you know, and he went mm-hmm. on and did this for, you know, 40 years well yeah and not to not to like try to you know get into a pissing contest about who has it worse but this is a this feels like as as someone that's hearing the story a lot different than somebody that's like attacked in an alley you know where where somebody you don't really have much of a choice you're you're 
you're kind of, I, I understand they were children at the time, but they also walked into those, that room on their own for whatever reason. Yeah. They were confused and they were young and they were impressionable. And this person had a position of authority over them, but he also kind of persuaded them or convinced them to go along with it. And that's got to add an extra layer of guilt to it. That probably isn't there if you were just the victim of a random attack or something. Um, yeah. I, I once mean, again, I'm not, not a, to compare the two, but I mean, right. like, that's got to be a whole other fucking thing to process, you know? I, I'm not a psychiatrist, and, you know, I, I'm really, you know, so I really couldn't give you like, a, or your psychologist or really give you a, 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 an in depth valuation of it. But I think, you know, just, just knowing people that, knowing people that have survivor's guilt for not. I know people that I know people that that were groomed that escaped him that have that feel terrible about it. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, it's because the the deception certainly has a, a a massive impact psychologically. I can't define what that is, but it absolutely does. Um, because I mean, you see that you I, I know people that survived his grooming and 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 they're devastated by it because because it's just because because it's just knowing that you were manipulated, you know, and, um, and it's, 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 it's really wild. And I can't speak to the horrors of it enough because like I said, I, I've never, I never experienced anything like this. Um, so I, I'm not going to pretend like I, I understand. I, I just try to be, I try to be understanding, you know, right. and I think that's the only way you really can be because, um, because, you know, I was fortunate enough not to experience this, but what's really wild is it's just, it's, it's prominent. It's prominent in, in, you know, it's, it, you we see it, you know, Boy Scouts of America, the archdiocese, all these different sports teams. It's just, you know, it's, it's really wild how prominent it was at one time. And you want to hear, you want to hear something really, really crazy. You know what this guy's doing right now? He's banning. So safe sport banned him from hockey, from coaching hockey a year ago. So he can't coach hockey anywhere. He can do private lessons, I guess, but he can't coach hockey anywhere. You know what he's doing right now? What? He's umping Little League in Florida. Wow. Well, not for long, right? I mean, you would think well, that. Like- I mean, I, you you hope, but that was what I heard. You know, I can't confirm, but that's the the, the rumor is that he's, he was umping Little League. It's really wild. Well, what you just said about like this about lots of these stories coming out. I mean, I I, I don't think there's any correlation, but as coincidentally enough. A couple days before uh, your lawsuit came out, there was something with the unnamed Blackhawk, Chicago oh, so Black. It actually, so it actually happened on the heels. And I think part of what part of you know, I think they 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 followed us in. Um, not, not they, this is obviously happening separate, not contemporary, you know, right, right, contemporaneously. Right. But like, I think that part of they follow. I, I think that it just it happened to catch the media cycle or they might've filed or, or jumped into the media when, when they saw us doing it. And I'm, you know, I'm not, listen, I'm not saying that we take credit or they take credit. I just, it, it, it was really kind of wild that one popped up right after the other and it was theirs after ours. So an unnamed, and, uh, oh, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, an unnamed for, for the audience, an unnamed former Chicago Blackhawk who was a member of the 2010 Stanley cup team, um, filed a lawsuit against the Blackhawks, uh, for ignoring his allegations that the uh, former Blackhawks video coach. video coach, yeah, was jerking off in front of the players and stuff, like making them watch yeah. and shit. And um, there was another uh, Sheldon Kennedy and Theon Fleury. Yeah, Theo Fleury. Yeah, yeah, they were both uh, 
they were both abused by their junior hockey coaches as well. So that there's, but you, I mean, there was all that thing. There's all that shit with like the women's Olympic coach that was yeah, that, that uh, guy Larry Nasser, Michigan, Michigan State. Yeah, no, I mean, it's 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 you know, it's because the the these these people because I'm sure that women do perpetrate this too. Um, you know, but it's these people that are in in sports, they're in such positions of control because in, in, at a high level of sport, the athlete's life is very short in that sport, at Mm -hmm. least as a player and the athletes aware of it, the the timings, everything athletes aware of it, coaches aware of it, parents are aware of it and the pressure and the need to be, to hit those steps, those those areas of growth and to be, you know, 15 years old on this team, 17 years old on this team, 18 years old on this team, drafted by this team. Um, that's, that's, that's felt by young players. And so these, these predatory coaches know that and they, they, and they gladly exploit it and it's the wildest thing. And, you know, it's, I mean, you know, I think about like, I mean, like, you know, this is this is nowhere even near the same thing but like you know when i was playing junior hockey when i was 16 you know i had a coach tap me on the shoulder and go fight 19 year old kids like bare knuckle and i'm being like and like it's nothing nearly as devastating as as uh as being sexually assaulted but like you know i was a kid like i did it because i wanted to get to the next level and the coach knew i wanted to get to the next level and would let me do, and would let me do it but who sends kids out to fight kids you know yeah. like, like it's like it's it's a you know and, and I'm not saying you know like listen I did really well for myself I never experienced what these guys did but there's a level of I'm I'm just kind of speaking to the level of control that right. these people have in, in in your lives you know and like um it's it's it, it it's wild and it, and it certainly needs some kind of reform um or at least you, you know it needs to be addressed so parents can identify these mechanisms and um i will tell you this my um my two of my clients started a 501c3 called survivors for change and they did this on their own during this process or already we always try to tell people about it because it's really really inspiring that they've turned their survivorhood into a platform to try to help other people Mm -hmm. and it's meant to mentor educate and provide resources to victims of sexual assaults and so, um, because there's not, because it's a stigma and people are scared to talk about it and people are, you know, afraid of, of they're just, people are just afraid and they're trying to take what they went through and make the world better for it, which I give them a ton of credit for doing that. Cause it's, it's, it's super, super amazing. I, I, I can only imagine how difficult it would be to have to tell, you know, people you love be that this happened to you and that you know i couldn't imagine how difficult it is for the people you loved or that love you to to acknowledge that it happened because maybe they ignored it and i don't even know you know i just it's super traumatic and like i give them all the credit in the world for trying to take what 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 is a terrible thing that happened to them and try to turn it into a positive thing for uh society and 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 find a way to try to heal people with it rather than rather than um you know wallow in a hole and become and be self-destructive which is a total reasonable thing to do i mean i hate i i hate to say that like you know i couldn't even imagine i I always i I always preface anything i say with that because um, i want people to be you know i want to be very clear that like um it's terrible what happened to these people 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, and I'll, I'll speak on it for a minute. Um, you know, I know a lot of people will see something like this and just kind of take it um, at face value. A, a really good example of of how, you know, society kind of views it is more when you have like the uh, like the female teachers assaulting their students and things like that. You'll see like these comment sections and people are like, oh, well, good for them. You know, they should be celebrating or, you know, and they act like it's, it's a positive thing or, you know, they'll just take it and be like, well, that's not really that big of a deal. Kind of like what Pat was touching on earlier. You know, they walked into those rooms, but you know what people don't what people kind of fail to realize um, in these situations is that, you know, the human mind is extremely fragile. Um, you know, you would be surprised depending on experiences, depending on different upbringings, um, stuff like that, the kind of things that really, you know, uh, dig itself into your, into your brain, burrow in there and, and affect things um, that you don't even realize it's might even be affecting. Um, so, I, I mean, I agree. This is definitely, um, you know, either way, this is still very much trauma. And, um, you know, I, I can I, I can relate. I'm not going to go into my whole story, but I have a very similar experience with people in authority um, and 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 being a, being a child. And, you know, when you're young, you just you if everybody's doing it, you're going to do it. And, you know, you're being told that this is kind of the only way that that you can you can fit in. And, um, you know, so whether you kind of really want to or not, you still just uh, because of the peer pressure, you kind of, you know, just submit and go, OK, I'll do this. And then. Then you're kind of left as an adult later, you know, holding the bag going, well, what do I do with this now? You know, and right. you do have the guilt and you do have the feelings and you're like, well, was it, you know, you question yourself, was it really sexual assault? Because I was there and I agreed to it. You know, I don't know. But then you're like your logical brain kicks in and you're like, well, no, you were a kid. You couldn't consent. It's not possible. And, you know, it, it is right. a very tough thing to, um, you know, to, to kind of live with, you know, like you mentioned, some of these people didn't make it out alive in this situation, you know, at the end of the day and, um, or what have you. So I, I agree. I think it is a very, um, you know, a, a beautiful fitting thing that, you know, these, these people will, you know, continue to try to fight for people, you know, after them that may be in similar situations. And, you know, we'll definitely, well, we'll if you'll give us a link, we'll definitely love to share it here. Um, but, you know, I, I think that it's, it's still a testament to how far we still have to go if this guy really is, you know, doing little league in, in uh, Florida, because that's yeah, no, it's wild. But real before I before I Pat, before I let you jump in, SurvivorsForChange.org. Just throwing that out there. Good, perfect. Okay, thank you. Uh, so your lawsuit is against the University of Minnesota and uh, USA Hockey. So what you guys are saying that they. Uh, not just had heard so, the r rumors, but yeah, like why? Why did you pick those two, those two institutions? So, in, so, in, so because because they had they had they had actual knowledge that this behavior was taking place as far back as 1984, and they did not act on that knowledge to prevent it, and they created a public nuisance that continued to um, that continued to rain its terror upon teenage boys and. In, in young men um, for 40 years. Right. Uh, University of Minnesota had knowledge that this took, that Sheila, that the Sheila scheme took place in 1985. They, um, I think they, I, they had, they, they fired, they allowed Chico to resign. They fired their coaching staff, brought in all new coaching staff, swept everybody on the rug, um, pulled the scholarship from one of my clients they didn't want him to show up now because it's just you know because i've a bad look for them for the university let it all just just wanted it to wash away they let this guy leave minnesota 
go coach in Illinois, where now he comes to Illinois as the former coach of the Gophers, a, a, war, a team, you know, five years earlier, Herb Brooks coached um, the Miracle on Ice coach. If any of you guys are familiar with it, the, the Kurt, Kurt Russell played him in the movie Miracle. Um, and he comes back to Illinois with all this cachet. He starts doing the same stuff then. And he starts doing the same stuff in Illinois. And he gets caught again. Or, well, I won't say caught. Rumors start to circulate and, and strange events start taking place amongst the team he's, he's playing for. And officials from these organizations were aware as early as 1989, these other organizations, of this behavior. I mean, USA Hockey, their president, literally, Jim Smith, said he's not running for re-election this year. And I've heard that they've fired people there, there internally, four or five people. I don't know if it's coincidence. I mean, I think the timing's a little strange if sure. it isn't, but, um, you know, the, the, these, these, these people had knowledge had actual knowledge and could have done something, could have called the police, could have, could have investigated their knowledge and could have prevented this, this four decade, reign of terror by this predator and they didn't and the wildest part is is um you know some of these people that didn't do it they you know they have wives kids career good careers they're not you know up until the point they decided to hide it they were good guys arguably in society you know contributing to society what possesses these people to 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 do bad things like that Um, i'll never understand but but there's statutory, um, well, there's there's statutory laws in place to to prevent that, mm-hmm. and there's you know if you, you there's you have you have to answer to these things at some point, and uh, and um, you know they have reckoning is for these organizations for turning the other turning a blind eye to Chico has come. Um, and, um, you know, we hope like we, you know, we hope to bring substantial change to the way things are done, um, at all these programs as part of our process. And, you know, in this litigation, we'd like to, you know, we want change the clients, you know, my clients want change. Um, you know, they, and it's, and they don't want other people, other children to lose years of their lives like they lost. They don't want other, you know, adults to lose years of their lives like they lost. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, uh, it's, it's, it's really wild, but yeah, so that's those, those entities, um, had actual knowledge of, of these events, um, as far back as 1985. Let me, to act on them. Let me ask this question real fast. I just kind of quail any concern for any type of conspiracy. Um, you know, at, at this point in time, we're pretty sure that, that he acted alone, correct? That there wasn't other people involved in this. So, so that being said, um, there, so there, in, in our complaint, there are, alleg- there are allegations that, um, he may not have okay. acted alone. That's fair. Now, we I can't speak to anything else other than that they're they're in the there's allegations in the complaint. Sure. Um, feel free to read it. Um, I can't get into the nitty gritty on that only because that's you know that's reserved for adjudication on the merits. And, sure. And, and we'll keep it there. But um, but uh, but yeah, there's the, the, he he uh, there's there's a good chance that he might not have been. Okay. Well, 
Yeah, that was actually going to be my follow-up question, too, because that was mentioned in the uh, CBS uh, news report that some of the some of the players had alleged that there was other people um, mm-hmm. that they thought were involved as well. But I understand if you can't go into that. That's yeah, I, I mean, so it's we we're like we've made allegations in our complaint um, and that 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 there may have been. Um, and obviously, like there were, were you know, like I, I don't want to really get into too much of the complaints public. You can read it. So I don't need necessarily need to uh, to explain it too much. It's sure. you know, uh, at this time only because it is it is a, it is a public filing. Um, and if you care to, it's you'll find it's highly detailed, eighty six pages long. Um, so it's highly detailed and very elaborate, and explain and you know kind of talks about what um, you know who knew and, and 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 when they knew and and what you know what what took place and um, you know it's it's very uh, it, it's um, it's very it, it's very substantial and uh, and. You know these allegations are very serious, and, and, and as such, they need to be treated that way. Well, I think it's it's almost natural when you hear about something that w- went on for this long across this many uh, institutions, and it, it kept getting swept under the rug. R- rug that like you want to think that like, well, did people know and not do anything? Well, obviously, I mean that that's that's you know pretty obvious, but like. Like, why was everyone so complacent with it? Why was everyone, was it just because no one wanted the bad, you know, it was like playing hot potato. No one wanted to get caught and and have to deal with the bad press. So they kind of swept under the rug and moved this guy on to the next thing. And then he did it again. Or were there people kind of facilitating this? It was like kind of like the worst kept secret, it seems like. And yet it, there was no one blew the whistle. No one stopped it. It kept happening. And it, like you said, it happened for 40 years. So I think when you when you hear that kind of stuff, it's almost natural to think like, were people helping him? You know what? Because even if they weren't doing it intentionally, I mean, they were clearly they were by not bringing this guy to the the fucking police. Like, yeah, yeah, you don't you you don't get to prey on on on, on young adult or young 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 men, children for forty years at the level this guy did without help, and whether how- it was inadvertent or or advertent, you you. you you, sure. you need you need yeah. help you need because you 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 know like it's it's that old police saying you know they have to be lucky every time we only got to be lucky once right. right he's the bad guy right like you know he's not like it's, it's math he can't possibly be lucky that much without a little bit of help how did whether the, it's whether did, it was purposeful or not right or like how did like one dad not fucking go after him and like put this guy in the hospital at some point or like you know he, was, he, he just you know what he was very he was very selective i mean that's true you know he was very selective of his of his prey mm-hmm. um i can't speak to why any dad didn't or or couldn't but he was very selective of his prey and like the same kind of attributes that made him good at bringing the best out of his players because he really understood the inner, their inner psyche I mean, could these attributes actually be used to sexually abuse them? And the answer is absolutely yes. He this yeah. this 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 guy who was a brilliant tactician was using his brilliant tactician mind to perpetrate evil. And yeah. it's really wild to, to think about it that way. This guy was a brilliant coach. I mean, a national champion, 
um, collegiate level coach. Like he, every level he coached at, he produced winners and he produced superstars. And I mean, it's not, he, he's a brilliant tactician and it's just, we tend, you know, we, we, you know, like those traits that made him so good at that. I mean, it, it's frightening to think that they made him good at being a predator. No, that's why you get people like Martin Luther King or JFK that are pussy hounds. It's because if you're, if you're that charismatic and you're that good with like, you know, leading people and, and kind of working a crowd, there's always the temptation to use that power for evil or not evil necessarily, but you know, for whatever, you know? And like you said, he was able to, he knew how to read people. He knew how to manipulate people. He knew how to get people to do what he wanted to do on the ice. And, you know, he just used those same, uh, qualities off the ice as well for nefarious, uh, goals. So, yeah, I mean, it's as terrible as it is to say, I mean, people like this are pretty, um, they're, they're sick. They're, they're really deranged people. Um, however, they, they tend to be, to be kind of, you know, I don't, I guess brilliant is, is the best well, way to that, put it. I mean, you know, they're, they're, they're super intelligent. Um, and like, you know, like, and then as it, as it progresses, like there's a lot of narcissism, Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. because it's just, it's just, it's, I, I don't, you know, I, I don't, I don't try to really understand them. Um, you know, this is, this one's a lot different because like I knew this guy, you know, right. and I didn't know him as well as the players that were, were violated by him. I didn't know sure. him as well as the players that played for him, but I knew him. Like, so there's like a realism to me because I knew what it was like hearing his stories mm-hmm. and, and seeing his legacy as, as both a brilliant coach. And now as this, you know, this, this terrible predator and like knowing that they were both one and the same person. It's wild to me because I I knew him and I I couldn't even imagine having, if the people I know that played for him, that, Mm -hmm. that, you know, I, how, I mean, my co-counsel, you know, like, I mean, sometimes like, you know, like it's gotta be so difficult to struggle with the fact that like, you know, like I think I contributed to to this behavior because I didn't take it serious enough. Uh, you were, you were. I mean, what what happened? What what happens if you actually played for him? How guilty would you feel then? Right. You know, the parents to be like, I subjected you to this guy. I mean, right. How about your parents? Because you know, and and the thing is, they they meant their best for you. You know, they you know, you got to believe that the most of the part, your parents meant the best. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, but like, how do you, how do they, I mean, to have to live with that is crazy. I couldn't even imagine, you know, it's, I'm it's fortunate rough, enough yeah. that I, I don't. You know, oh, and that's the thing when you become, you know, I've, we've had kind of a similar, um, I've had um, somebody who, you know, my friend group cheated on their wife recently and it came out in a big way. And, and, and explaining to this person that, that did this, um, it was hard to explain that, like, I understand you did not cheat on me directly. However, you, you were this great example. And, you know, you've kind of tarnished that. I mean, <clears throat> it hurts everybody around you as well when they find out that you're not what everybody thought you were. I mean, you know, on even if it's a smaller scale, I mean, there's just so many people affected by this, not just the victims. I mean, or you know, like, well, survivors rather, um, but, you know, just people all around in the circuit. I mean, we, you yourself, you know, you feel this, this guilt, even though there's nothing that you could have possibly done. And, you know, I hope that you know, working through this helps you realize that, that, you know, at some point, but, um, you know, it's just, it's just tragic. It really is. It's, it's disgusting. It's wrong. And it's just how so many people had a hand in it. It's just wild how it could have taken place over again, over 40 years. That's insane. 
Yeah. And, and you know what, um, the thing is, is like, it, it's, it's, it, 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 it's 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 just it's t- I, he impacted so many lives. He crossed so many people crossed his path, and that like the impact of this one person in in his it, it's you know it's it's beyond uh, he, you know it's his his reach is so far because of the you know because he had this forty year opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's pretty wild and. Um, and like, if you were a hockey player in Illinois in the last, you know, 30 years, I, uh, it, he, he had a, he, at some, you crossed paths with him one way or another, like he literally touched on your life somehow, you know, and it's pretty wild, you know, it's pretty wild that it, it, it was this pervasive, pretty wild that everybody ignored it. It's pretty wild that, um, you know, that like, I mean, it's sad, you know, and I'm just, you know, it, it took a lot of courage for these guys to come out of, of yeah. the silence. And, you know, they came out because he kept coaching and they couldn't believe it. You know, he was going to get inducted to the Illinois Hockey Hall of Fame in 2010. One of my clients yeah. wrote a letter to AHI then and said, hey, this guy, you, you're inducting this guy? You know, and then finally it all came to a head when another client wrote a letter to Robert Morris College because he was coaching Robert Morris. And, and it was like, this guy can't be coaching kids. Because they just they just had they 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 exited the game abruptly and they didn't look back yeah. and and then one day they realized that this guy was still doing this and they were like no 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 like this is our fight now and I'm not we're not letting him do this and uh, I, I give him all the credit of the world for standing up and leading by example and saying no you know we're we're, we're survivors we're not victims we're survivors. And we're not letting this guy take it any more from us and anybody else. And, uh, you know, like I said, it's a, it's a, it's a testament to them, but like, it's wild, you know, I, 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 I mean, I mean, they've been like the, 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 the most, um, I don't know, basic sense of the world. It's just, it's beyond kind of a normal comprehension. Right. If there are more people that maybe happen to listen to the show and, and, were victims? Do you want them to reach out to you at all? Yeah, absolutely. You can reach out to me at jacobsonlegalservices.com. Okay. Um, if you go to our website, we have uh, we have a uh, a pop up screen initially that 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 pop that that displays and it gives you know a, a, a form you can fill out just to, for kind of information, or you can call my office three one two six zero zero five zero three eight. If you we just need us general assistance and because you suffered or you're a victim of this, or you just want to support victims of sexual assault or support what my clients are doing with their 501c3, um, check them out at uh, survivorsforchange.org. Um, if whether they, you know, whether you can donate or whether you just want to help or need help, um, you know, they're more than willing to, uh, they're they're super awesome people and they really they really want to make the world a better place you know um but yeah so those are the two websites that you can um get a hold of of me if you need if you are a survivor and you know you hear this and and uh and you want to tell your story and you want to and you want to exact change that's what we're doing and uh, we'd be more than happy to bring you along okay good good well I don't, uh, I don't have any more questions. Pat, do you have any more questions before we wrap? No, I think that's it. Thanks for coming out and talking to us. We appreciate it.
Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Okay, well, in that case, uh, we will see you guys back here next Wednesday.